from his studios in New York. It's time for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. Here's your host, Dan Tortora. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on wakeupcalldt.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt. We're inside of the Charney's Menswear and Tuxedo Studios. You're watching on Facebook Live, facebook.com backslash live now dt as well as on facebook.com backslash wake up call dt our main page so plenty of places to watch plenty of places to listen appreciate you being here as always and as promised on this first hour of wake up call with dan satora here on tuesday december 17th we have alex dodd here with us of the clemsoninsider.com we met uh, years and years ago in our travels and coverage of the acc as i was stating before and he is now with us this morning to speak on all things ACC as he continues to cover Clemson. And, you know, I guess we're going to cover any team. This is a team that always takes you all the way through to the end of the season, typically to the national championship game. So not a bad gig to have. And with that being said, let's bring him in. Alex, how are we doing today? Joe, and, and hey, it's the most wonderful time of the year again. Most people talk about Christmas, but in the upstate of South Carolina, uh, it means the college football playoff is is right around the corner. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I mean, Clemson makes it in this year. Obviously, Clemson took care of business and, you know, won, won all the games that are, were in front of them. But there was a lot of focus on LSU, a lot of focus on Ohio State and, you know, what they were doing, a focus on the SEC in general. What were your – what should we been your take on Clemson? I mean, they go 13-0, and they're 8-0 and in the conference – but the conference wasn't as strong this year. So did you ever have any concern that Clemson wasn't going to find their way back in? I mean, was it ever a thought in South Carolina? Uh, I think it was a thought if – I think from the outset of the year, everybody knew that if Clemson lost a game, the committee was going to try to keep Clemson out of the conversation. And the, the committee was going to try to keep Clemson out of the playoff. I think that was a thought. Uh, in the area, and even among people on the team. I mean, they knew from the beginning of the year that if they wanted to make it, uh, that they had to, to do something that they'd never done before, that they had to win 28 games in a row in order to get there. Uh, so I think that was a concern. Uh, and, and, yeah, you're right. The ACC has been down this year. It, it was not what it was a year ago. Um, but I think I think some of that is still a little overblown. Um and and I think I think Clemson did what they needed to do, uh, and they did it convincingly. And I think people are, are putting too much weight on the strength of schedule. But this year is really going to be the test that defines, you know, how much does strength of schedule matter? And we're going to see that when Clemson plays at Ohio State. Uh, and if Clemson makes it past that, we'll see it in New Orleans. So I, I think this is really going to be the litmus test for how much strength of schedule is going to count in that conversation going forward. Yeah, absolutely. I mean. I- I think that you bring up a great point there because we're looking at the fact, you know, that that this is a team that that played in a conference that that was weaker this this season on on both sides of the spectrum. And once again, you know, Clemson blows out their opponent in the Coastal Division inside of the ACC championship game. Did it to Pittsburgh last year. Did it to Virginia this year. And you know, so there's that. Where you know, where do they stand? And if they were to lose a game like you had brought up, 
So now it's going to be that true litmus test like you were talking about of, okay, well, you didn't play in the toughest of conferences this year. Can you hang with Ohio State? If you get beyond Ohio State, can you hang with somebody else? So we'll see where it's at, but obviously uh, Dabo Sweeney is, is one of the best coaches out there to some people, arguably the best coach out there right now. Uh, you get to cover him. You get to be around him. I've gotten to be around him, not not on the weekly, but you know throughout the season I get some time uh, with him here and there, and I've always appreciated that. What do you like about Dabo Sweeney and, and just how he carries himself? Because he truly, uh, to me, he stands out in, in a most positive of ways. What can you say about uh, Coach Sweeney and what you take away from him? I think one of the most important things about Coach Sweeney is that he is the same person on the field that he is off the field. Um, the, the person that you see on TV, the person that you see in the interviews is the same Dabo Sweeney that you would that you would run into in town or that you would you would see at, at church or at his home. Uh, he's a consistent person. And I think that, that definitely carries over to the football field as well. I mean, he's a uh, – methodical coach he's consistent he he gets the job done uh and that pays off in in wins and in wins um but he's a consistent person i mean everywhere he goes he's the same guy um i think he gets some uh this year he's gotten a little bit of uh a little bit of stuff in the media uh for that the national media at least a little bit of criticism um for for talking about clemson and how you know people don't give clemson the credit that they deserve um, but that's just who he is. I mean, he's going to play the underdog. He he pays attention to what people say see, say on the national scene, and that's something a lot of coaches you know try to act like they don't. But I mean, he's just he's who he is. He is uniquely who he is. Having that uniqueness that that he has, you know, he he doesn't hide his faith. He doesn't hide you know what he cares about, what matters to him. He talks about it freely. What has that done for you? Because you and I have talked about faith on the show before. We've We've spoken about, you know, being humble, being who you are, not being afraid to say who you are. To cover a coach that is on that wavelength, you know, what is what does that piece of it mean to you? Uh, as a man of faith, it's always good to see somebody you know, stand up for what they believe, regardless of, of their situation, regardless of their spotlight. Um, and, and it's really encouraging for me to see that uh, in his position because it is not popular – um, by any means, for football coaches to to stand up for their faith, especially when they get the national attention that Coach Sweeney does, and he's come under fire for it before. Um, but it's encouraging to see him uh, not stray from from his identity as as a Christian uh, on the national scene. When a lot of people would would shy away from it uh, or try to to talk about football only, uh, Coach Sweeney stays true to who he is and stays true to what he believes. Absolutely, that coming from Alex Dodd here of the ClemsonInsider.com as we talk about the ACC this morning. So we look at the Coastal Division, and the, the Coastal Division inside of the ACC is is all over the place. You know, sometimes in recent history, it's Virginia Tech. Then, you know, Miami's kind of floating around up there. Pittsburgh's up there. Virginia's up there. You know, Georgia Tech used to be up there. What What is your overall sense and your take of the Coastal Division? Can they hang... I mean, you got Clemson on one side, and it's kind of like typically outside of seasons where, you know, Tua gets injured and whatnot, but it's like talking about Alabama. This year, it's like talking about LSU, where you got Clemson inside the Atlantic, so the Atlantic division already knows that there's going to be trouble at the top, but the Coastal Division, they've thrown so many different teams at Clemson, and it doesn't matter. 
So, I mean, Virginia Tech a few years ago, four, four seasons ago, hung with Clemson in Orlando in the ACC championship game all the way pretty much to the bitter end when Deshaun Watson and Hunter Renfro and Deion Kane and company were there. But ultimately, Clemson just, you know, obviously sweeps what they sweep. The Coastal Division itself, though, when they play each other, not just Clemson, what's your take of the Coastal? Because every year it seems like it's going to be somebody different. And this year made it interesting in the state of Virginia with Virginia and Virginia Tech having to play the rivalry game to decide. But can the Coastal Division hang, in your opinion, essentially? Uh, I mean, it seems like across the entire ACC that this year, really the gap between Clemson and everybody else just got so much wider. Uh, last year, you know, coming into this season, you thought maybe Syracuse would have a, have a chance to, to close that gap a little bit. But particularly in the Coastal, um, Coastal Chaos was the most chaotic that it's been in recent memory. I mean, Clemson's played every team in the ACC Coastal except for Duke in an ACC championship game. Uh, since 2009 uh, and really going into the last three weeks of the season I mean there were three or four teams that could have been that could have been in that game I think there was some progress made at North Carolina I think Mag Brown showed that that you know maybe going forward that that's that's going to be a different team that they can be more competitive again um, but I mean really the ACC I think made some good moves in adding teams to the conference uh, in the last, you know, couple decades. Um, but if the ACC wants to be that conference that, that gets notoriety on the national level, the big boys uh, have to come out to play. Uh, and they have some, some programs that traditionally have been really good football programs, um, like a Miami, like a Florida State, um, like a Virginia Tech, that have that national brand that just haven't played up to standard. Um, but particularly in the Coastal Division, I think it's a really competitive division. Um, I think the ACC is stronger than people give it credit. Uh, I think if any other conference had as many bowl teams as the ACC does, um, you know, if the SEC had, had as many bowl teams as the ACC, uh, the national media would be talking about how it's the best conference in college football. But because, you know, they don't have the, the nine-win teams – the eight win teams um, with the exception of Clemson, Virginia and Virginia tech. Um, the ACC takes a, you know, a lot of disses from the national media on that standpoint, but the coastal, I mean, as far as competing for ACC championships, uh, I don't really see it coming too soon unless Virginia can get some bigger name recruits uh, or Virginia tech can, and Justin Fuente can figure it out or, or Mac Brown starts to turn things around in North Carolina um, I think there there are three or four good football teams, uh, you know, that could emerge from the coastal in the next few years. But really, we, you can't judge the the you know competitiveness of a conference until you get into bowl season. I think a lot of people like to determine who their good conferences are and their bad conferences are based off of the first couple games of the season and non conference play. But really, in the next few weeks is when we're going to see. You know, how good is the ACC in general? How good are some of these bowl-eligible teams from the Coastal? Um, I mean, five teams in the Coastal Division are going to be playing in bowl games. Um, so we're going to really see how they are as far as competing with other conferences uh, and teams that are at a similar level they are. And that's when I think we'll be able to make more precise judgments of really how good or how bad uh, is the Coastal Division or how good or how bad is, is the ACC in general. That coming from Alex Dodd of the ClemsonInsider.com this morning on Wake Up Call. 
with Dan Tortora inside of the Charney's Menswear and Tuxedo Studios, 3150 Erie Boulevard East here in Syracuse, New York. Uh, Alex, to, to go one step further with this, like you said, to see where bowl season is at for this Coastal Division, overall the ACC has 14 schools and they sent 10 of them to bowl games this year, uh, Boston College after firing Steve Adazio, still 6-6. Six and six. Uh, Florida State after firing Willie Taggart, 6-6 six and six as well. Uh, Wake Forest, which is a team that really nobody talks about, 8-4. and four. Uh, Louisville in, in their first season with Scott Satterfield, second place behind Clemson in the Atlantic, 7-5. and five. Obviously, Clemson we talked about is 13-0. Virginia is 9-4. and four. Virginia Tech's 8-4. Miami made it in year one for Manny Diaz at 6-6. Six and six. Pitt made it again with Pat Narduzzi at 7-5. and five. And Mac Brown back in Carolina at 6-6. Six and six. Let's go to Florida State because Mike Norvell is one of my guys. And I had Justin Fuente for, I think, three years in Memphis before he came over to Virginia Tech. So I've had him for the past seven years. And then right after him, Mike Norvell, I've had him for the last four. And I'll now continue to have him at Florida State. How much do you know Mike about Mike Norvell? What do you think about the move? Like it? Dislike it? There were some Florida State fans that were ripping on him before he even got to Tallahassee, which I thought was insane because I've been around this guy for four years, and I would like to think I know a lot of, you know, kind of what he's about, his nature and his ability and and the type of human being and how humble he is. What are your thoughts on Mike Norvell and getting hired at Florida State? Uh, I think a lot of Florida State people and people on the national scene thought maybe Florida State would get a big national name. Um, but with their financial situation right now, that just wasn't in the cards. And, and it's really a dumpster fire. I mean, it, you're in the state of Florida. You have that national brand. You can you can do something in recruiting. So there are a lot of things that go in favor of that job. But the financial situation and just how far Florida State has gotten away and Clemson's really pulled away in the Atlantic Division uh, made that job kind of scary for some people. I think Mike Norville is, the, is a good hire for Florida State's current situation. I mean, he's he's 38 and 15 as a head coach. He has a, a solid head coaching record. He was able to do some really good things at Memphis, um, had that team in the top 25 a lot, which it's it's not easy to get a team from uh, the American Conference in the top 25, and he did that. So I don't think it's a bad hire. I, I mean, I think it's a good hire. Um, I think what's going to be interesting is how he's able to recruit the state of Florida. Um you know, he hasn't had a job in that region before. It's not really something that he's done before. I mean, he's been in Central Arkansas, Tulsa, Pitt, Arizona State, and Memphis. So he doesn't have a lot of experience in the state of Florida. And I think that's where things are going to get interesting with Mike Norville in that position. If Mike Norville is able to go and recruit the state of Florida, then then he's going to be able to win some games at Florida State and get them back to a competitive level. If he struggles to recruit in that state, if he struggles to get those homegrown players to stay with the Seminoles instead of going to Clemson, going to Alabama, uh, going to LSU, then then that's when he's going to be able to make a difference, and that's how he's going to be able to win football games. But overall, I don't think it's a bad hire for Florida State's situation. I think the people that were upset uh, had a too high of a standard of what kind of name they were going to be able to attract, um, given their current situation. Yeah, you know, and, and the, the notion that Florida State, you know, that, that there is a, a portion of their fan base that believes that they're supposed to win a national championship after going through these 6-6 six and six and 5-7 and seven seasons and having to be in the Atlantic with Clemson is obviously something that concerns me that they have that. But, you know, I mean, I know they want to win games. I know they want to do well. I love the atmosphere in Tallahassee, but 
it's obviously going to take time. Uh, quickly here, as I know you're getting set for uh, Clemson coverage inside of the bowl season, but Wake Forest, Dave Clawson, guy respects, uh, appreciate him very much. So uh, love covering him and what he's doing. He's finishing in the top two, top three in the Atlantic division these last few seasons. He's gotten the team up there. You know, his wins have been good. He's going to bowl games consistently. Yet, uh, the state of North Carolina, and you're down in the Carolinas, the state of North Carolina, Carolinas in general, don't really cover him, don't really cover Wake Forest, don't really talk about it. Uh, there was actually a camera person at the ACC Media Day where uh, I guess the boss had said, hey, make sure you get the Carolina schools. And then he paused and he looked at him and he said, and get Wake Forest too if, if you feel like you need to. What is it about Wake Forest that they play well, they win games. Dave Clawson has obviously made them into something successful, yet even the Carolinas don't feel the need to always cover Wake Forest. You're down there. What's what's that about? Uh, the state of North Carolina in football is a really interesting thing to talk about. Uh, it's really the exception to the rule in the South. I guess the only other state that can be similar in nature is probably the state of Kentucky. Um, but in the South in general, football is king. College football is king. But in the state of North Carolina, it's college basketball. If you're talking about the coaches that matter in the South, in in the general in the South, they're going to throw out names like Davo Sweeney, Nick Saban, uh, Ed Orgeron this year. Those are the names that are going to be thrown out. But if you ask that in North Carolina, they automatically go to college basketball. Um, even at Wake Forest, they go to college basketball because they've had that success uh, in recent history. They've had the Tim Duncans, the Chris Pauls come through there. So it's a it's a basketball school, and I think. In general, the local media in North Carolina, they cover basketball. Um, they're not always in the football press box. They're not you know, fighting for credential spots to cover those teams. And, North, and Wake Forest, too, um, has such a small alumni base. I think people forget how small a school Wake Forest is. I think maybe they have less than 6,000 students on campus. Um, so it's a small school. I think they get overlooked for that reason. But I think Dave Clawson has been able to do something uh, something remarkable at Wake Forest that people didn't think somebody after Jim Grobe would be able to do. Jim Grobe had his run of success in the early 2000s, won an ACC championship with Riley Skinner uh, in 2006, which seems like forever ago. Um, but Dave Clawson is, is doing some big things at Wake Forest. And I think if he's able to win the bigger games, if he's able to beat the teams uh, that are that people think he can't, if he can win some some big non-conference games, that Wake Forest will start to get some of that national attention. Um, but he is such a disadvantage as far as coverage goes. Uh, I think people often forget that Wake Forest is one of those North Carolina schools because compared to you know Chapel Hill, UNC. Uh, or even Duke, yeah. I mean, it's such a small school. It's, it's so overlooked, even in even in the Carolinas and even in the state of North Carolina. State of North Carolina, Mac Brown comes back. He wins immediately. He starts off the season. I know they didn't have a good season, but he beats an SEC team in South Carolina. Obviously, that has meaning in North and South Carolina. Uh, Mac Brown's got him to a bowl game at six and six, four and four inside of the ACC. So five hundred in both in his return. What's the take on Mac Brown, the fact that he took a team out of the basement? I mean, they're not that far up the coastal, but they're 6-6, six and 4-4 six, four and four in the ACC. They're going to a bowl game. What, what's Mac Brown doing in the Carolinas? Uh, he had a great first year. I mean, he inherited a 
you know, total dumpster fire. If you remember at the beginning of last season, uh, they were looking in the student body for offensive linemen because they had a couple quit the team and a few guys injured, and really it was a bad situation at the end of Larry Fedora's tenure. I mean, at, at one point they were a team that was, you know, in the ACC championship game, in the top 15, uh, and if you remember when they had two losses, people were talking about, well, if North Carolina can beat Clemson, you know, maybe they can somehow sneak into the college football playoff for one of these New Year's six games. Yeah. And now, you know, nobody thinks about North Carolina in that way. And they, they didn't get that respect. I think Mac Brown going to win in six games, uh, taking Clemson to the wire, beating South Carolina. Uh, finishing out the season, winning his last two games. I mean, there are some lows on there, too. I mean, losing App State at home is something that you don't do uh, at North Carolina. That's a football program that you know doesn't have as much notoriety, but they, they do care about football. They historically have had some good teams in the 80s. They were, had some top 10 teams, and Mac Brown had some good teams when he was there the first time. I think he had a great first year, and I think North Carolina – uh, is coming up and and watch out for them in year two and what they're able to do uh, with some of his recruits and and some of his own prospects. Sam Howell, a great quarterback. Um, Clemson would have been happy to have him as a backup uh, and really recruited him hard early. Um, and I think he is a great up and coming quarterback. If he was playing somewhere else or if he was playing at a, a lower level SEC school, people talk about him all the time. But because he's a, in the ACC, people tend to overlook him. Um, and I think he's a great quarterback and uh, a bright young talent that, that can have a great future ahead of him. Yeah, coming from Alex Dodd of the Clemson Insider.com, speaking on the ACC. Alex, final point here, Syracuse. The media consensus uh, typically picks Syracuse to finish 7 out of 7 in the Atlantic, right at the bottom of the Atlantic, 6 out of 7 in the Atlantic. This past season, I, I thought that they were going to be there at, at number 2 potentially. The majority of the media agreed with me. I think the the media and I were were parallel on everything as far as where all seven Atlantic teams would finish. What's your take now, and have the Carolinas uh, essentially, because they never pick Syracuse high, is is now everybody down in in this in the uh, state of North and South Carolina now saying, okay, that's the last time we do that. I mean, how 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 is the look down there with with this? Because they finally gave Syracuse some respect, and, and Syracuse obviously didn't finish where they were anticipated to. Yeah, I mean, what a disappointing year for Syracuse. You come into the year of the top 25, and then you go get bludgeoned by Maryland uh, on the road uh, in a game where it just looked like you couldn't do anything offensively. I think people underestimated that transition um, from Eric Dungy to Tommy DeVito. Yeah. And I don't think Tommy DeVito is is a terrible quarterback. He just didn't have didn't have a good offensive line. Uh, you lost some, some good wide receivers. And really, there was just a dip in, in talent this year, I think, at Syracuse. Um, and I think people underestimated that. I don't think people did their homework uh, when they went in the preseason. Uh, I didn't do my homework on Syracuse when I went in to vote for, for preseason ACC because I thought they would finish higher than they did. I thought they would be that top 25 road game that Clemson would have uh, on their schedule. But, I mean, sometimes that happens. You have a down year. It's inevitable. Uh, I still think Dino Babers is a great football coach. I still think that he's going to have them back in a good position uh, in the near future. Um, but it's going to take some work. It's going to take some uh, some recruiting, some development of who's in the building uh, for Syracuse to get back to that spot. Um, but I think people really underestimated uh, how many pieces off of their team from last year uh, weren't there. 
Um, and I, th- I think that's something people need to pay attention to, uh, myself included, when we go into these preseason rankings that really, like Dabo Sweeney says, they just don't matter. I mean, yeah. really, until the sixth or seventh week of the season, the rankings just don't matter. Um, but I think Syracuse could be back in the near future, but they've got to beat some of these mid-level teams. Uh, you can't lose in 16 to 10 to NC State this year. Uh, you can't get beat as bad as you did by by Boston College. Um, you got to take care of business in some of these mid-tier ACC games to yeah. to get back to where you wanted to be. No, absolutely, and and you know you say uh, I mean obviously the things that that I anticipated offensive line, quarterback, and linebacker uh, being an issue definitely quarterback, definitely offensive line. Linebacker did get a little bit better, but they were replacing once again, and they'll do it for the third season in a row coming up this year in 2020. But, you know, I, I wouldn't knock yourself for not doing homework. I mean, I thought, you know, after covering this team for as many years, what, 17 years in some respect, I did not anticipate them falling this far. I thought that, you know, six to eight wins was good enough, probably eight. So it's all good. You know, they didn't get it done, but we'll see what happens as Dino goes forward. You got to go forward into your coverage of Clemson, so go do your thing. And, Alex, as always, I appreciate it. God bless, and a Merry Christmas to you and the family. Thank you, Dan. Merry Christmas to everybody up in Syracuse. And, and it's time. we got Clemson's Fiesta Bowl Media Day uh, in the practice facility today and then heading out on Sunday to Arizona. So it's that time of the year again. Um, Syracuse will be back. Don't worry. Dino Babers is a good football coach, and I think he'll be able to, to turn things around up there in the near future. That coming from Alex Dodd. You can check him out on the ClemsonInsider.com. I appreciate it, and I'll talk with you soon, man. Thank you, Dan. Take care.